The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia and welcome to Gone By Lunchtime. It's election year. My name's Toby Manhai and I'm very excited. Annabelle Lee, are you excited? So excited. Ben Thomas, are you excited? I'm bursting out of my skin. We got some criticism after the last pod about uh, lack of enthusiasm. And I think that, that your delivery really? just then, Ben, is the kind of thing that people are talking about there, that kind of underplayed coolness. I actually somebody raised that with me. They said they they said they heard me on a Radio New Zealand sting, oh. and that and that it was kind of flat, and that they that that it was yeah it wasn't as enthusiastic as the other Radio New Zealand guests, which was quite a slap in the face. <laughs> I, so I'm not, yeah I, th- I think sorry I'm I'm, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and project a bit. Hey, a bit shall more. we talk a little bit about how you've been um, seeing other panelists behind my back? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. That sting that you referred to was when you had some kind of pre-cooked line that you served up like a slab of steak to the innocent morning listeners of Radio New Zealand about Jacinda Ardern wielding, I don't know, a scalpel or a... Was it something it's out of... Labour's smiling Caesar? assassin. Okay, okay. He's been seeing Julianne, Julie, Julia Hartley Moore behind my back, Kobe, on the panel. On he the has. panel as well. He has. This... this this does seem promiscuous, this, the, Ben. Well, I did, Annabelle's got her own TV show. Yes. She's she's a regular on Duncan Garner's The AM Show. Oh, right. No, I've been on one. It's only been on a week. It's been on it's, a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, how do you know so much about The you AM Show? You spent like a whole huh? hour with Julia Hartley Moore. Is she I was the, on for like three the, minutes. Is she the one who investigates? She is. Investigates. Like he's seeing not only things. another panellist, another investigator. Wow. We should get her onto him. We should say we'd like you to investigate Ben Thomas. You've got a Fitbit, Ben. I've got a Fitbit. I'm just like Bill English. I'm using big data and algorithms to investigate social problems, i.e., why I'm so fat. <laughs> <laughs> I need to have another of these chocolate fish that I've arranged I, for. The, the only exercise I get is, is sort of bounding up the spin off stairwell once a month. Speaking of impending death. Uh, I've got a very exciting announcement to make, uh, and it's this, that this podcast and the politics section at the spin-off as a whole, ladies and gentlemen, is now made possible thanks to Life Direct. So I think we could all pause and contemplate death as Ben is uh, with his Fitbit, and then go to the politics section, read Hayden Donnell's excellent piece again on the theme of death, and you can click through to Life Direct, and you can compare quotes from all the life insurance options available in New Zealand. And then you can get some life insurance. 
Ben's looking at me like, is this real? Have <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we finally sold out? Stop thinking about <laughs> this we have fantastic. a sponsor. We have a sponsor for <laughs> the politics section in election. It's the very Capri, exciting. Did Capri Life not come direct. through for us? Uh, no, it would have been poor timing for the people of Dunedin yeah. for us to enlist Cadbury, I think, probably. Um, I thought uh, it was much. Although we do have chocolate in the middle of the table. We do. Um, and we do have heaps <clears> of things to talk about. In fact, probably about five minutes in and we haven't even discussed any politics yet. Um, uh, but we are going to do that. We've got the big superannuation policy, and that's why we're happy to have this bevy of Generation Xs here mm. in the pod studio. It's like it's very much, very much like the Breakfast Club in here. It, it is, seems to me. Yeah. Uh, we're going to we're going to chew through that, and then we're going to talk about Mount Albert and Jacinda and Little and Kopapa Māori and the Greens and Winston and and maybe even more things. Let's start, though, with that big story of the week, the bombshell. Superannuation, Ben Thomas, tell us, what did he do? What happened yesterday? So, <clears throat> Bill English, after, after I guess you'd say a weekend of Lord-esque titillation and mm. build-up, mm. About about the release of a new policy, um, where instead of glowing green cars and oh. and and dimly lit beaches like news, the greatest living New Zealander, mm. Ella Yelichukana, uh, instead did a number of kind of weird stuttery TV interviews um, with the tagline "Wait, let's wait and see." Mm. Um, about any announcements or plans for National Super. When Bill English became Prime Minister, he said that uh, he would not make the same undertaking that John Key had made um, about making no changes to National Super, mm. which of course represents a huge sort mm. of fiscal time bomb in the next John Key years. went so far as to say he would resign he, if he tweaked so much as a smidgen. That, the, uh, that's right, and he resigned and didn't even tweak a smidgen, yeah, which yeah. is how committed. Maybe he just, which is how committed he, to maintaining his personal maybe he popularity. Thought about it. Maybe he was in the shower one day and he thought about it, and he thought that <laughs> that in itself is a betrayal of the New Zealand people. I'm going to resign tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's possible. We still we still haven't gotten to the to the bottom of it. I, th no. I think uh, Martin Bomber Bradbury is releasing a tell-all book mm -hmm. that could unveil the truth later this year. Um, but at any rate, yesterday, Bill English um, announced that the, the age of entitlement would go up from 65 to 67. Currently, everyone is entitled to superannuation uh, once they hit 65 in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't matter whether you're a billionaire or a millionaire or an, an impoverished worker who's you know, back a, gave a up senior, 10 years senior earlier. Politician. Or, or a senior politician, Jonathan Hunt, um, a member of the Order of New Zealand and a former Labour Party minister, when he was the High Commissioner to London, was drawing both New Zealand superannuation, British pensions, and his salary as High Commissioner. Mm. Um, you know, so the, the, he did serve out some delicious wines, though, <laughs> in that penthouse. I can tell you that and for a fact. I, th I think that was another benefit he was getting. Don't whisper. Oh, and, and cheeses as well. I oh, understand yes. he could really pull together a great cheese board. Yeah, excellent matching as well. Yeah, yeah. So great. Yeah, pairing. At, at, at any rate, these these changes will kick in in twenty twenty thirty seven. <laughs> so we certainly got a lot of notice. They'll start. So at, great, they'll start. Graduated over. The three and years. so by twenty forty, the age of entitlement will have gone up for two years. So essentially, the people who will be affected are everyone who is currently under forty five. Um, those who will still get the same superannuation entitlements that we have now as everyone over 45, basically, right now. So what, what's happened is you were talking about three Generation Xs here. I mean, we essentially no longer exist. Our generation has been partitioned down the middle. Mm -hmm. Everyone pre-72 is now a boomer, mm -hmm. and we are now millennials. Mm. 
Well, well, so basically, that's why you if, you think Lord. It's, if you think it's okay <laughs> to wear sneens, mm. then you're then you're a boomer, and if you don't, then you're that would ex. have been one way to decide, wouldn't it, to yeah. make sort of fashion or cultural diet based uh, decisions on whether or not you remain eligible for superannuation. Yeah. Do you? What do you reckon, Annabelle? It had to happen, didn't it? I mean, it had something had to give. Um, I admire Bill English for being upfront about it before an election. Obviously, it's not a hugely popular policy. Um, superannuation, for whatever reason in New Zealand, is considered to be absolutely tapu. Um, is it the only inflation-adjusted um, benefit it's, that we provide? You know, even it's not like, inflation-adjusted; it's adjusted against the average wage. Yeah. So it's actually been outstripping inflation. Um, over the past 15 years. So it's actually in terms of, uh, you know, the dole and um, disability benefit, you know, they're indexed against inflation, which, you know, is about 1% or whatever, 0.5% per year over the last 10 years. Um, superannuation actually goes up when, whenever workers get a pay rise. Um, so do old people. Mm. But, um, you know, so we obviously consider it um, to be more important than, you know, like benefits for solo parents. Um uh, so good on him for not Trojan horsing it into Parliament, but but when you start to think about it, um, obviously Māori are really um, negatively impacted by this decision given um, the far shorter life expectancy of Māori, particularly Māori men. It puts it even further out of reach. You know, many Māori that work hard their entire lives and then don't get to enjoy... Um, a pension at the end of it. The other thing that I think is interesting is doubling the amount of time that an immigrant needs to be in New Zealand in order to qualify. Mm. But it doesn't say that they have to have worked in New Zealand for that long. So they could have just simply resided here. Perhaps they have a rich child or whatever, um, and they never have to pay ta tax, and that qualify they qualify. But I think that in itself is almost an admission that there's a problem with our immigration their immigration policy because they can't, it can't, you know, we can't sustain it economically. We can't provide a pension for it, which then makes you wonder: well, does that also impact on health and other services? So it's an interesting 10 one. Ten to twenty years, I think. Does it? I mean, twenty years is doubled. Yeah, quite from a long ten time, years to twenty years. Yeah. The, the but you don't have to work for those twenty yeah. years. It doesn't require someone to have actually paid taxes in the country for that long. The reactions to that have been pretty interesting, hasn't it? The, all, all the other parties have said, oh, you, you know, how, how dare, how dare Bill English even talk about touching superannuation. It's mm. sacrosanct. Mm. You know, we will fight this tooth and nail, mm -hmm. you know, to the grave. Good to make it hard for foreigners, though. <laughs> yeah. Kind of tacked yeah. on to Yeah, yeah it's, um, there's some, some unity there. In terms of the response from the other parties, the Māori Party have been one of the stronger ones. I mean, we Winston Peters is to be expected. I mean, the points you mm. make about the uh, disproportionate effect on Māori and Pacific Islanders. But one of the, I suppose, one of the calibrations of it by chucking it so far down the road is that 2040, it means that the whole boomer cohort are sweet. 
So grey power, and, and, I, and ironically, they're you know, they're actually the ones who are who are forcing up the cost. And they're, but they're the ones for whom it is a big issue. And so you so so in terms of the way that it plays out politically, it would be interesting to see. I mean, they, they've obviously thought very carefully about this, even though it didn't feel like it had been. It felt like it had happened all of a sudden on Monday. And that by, I mean, you know, the people for whom the huge voting generation in New Zealand. Are basically, in terms of their own back pocket, aren't affected, and so you have. I think someone. I think someone. I think it might have been Guy Nesbitt. I calculated this morning that it's a fifty thousand dollar transfer redistribution from people our age, in effect, to to people who will qualify to people born in the you know b- b- before nineteen seventy two. That's quite a lot of money, right? Look, and that's why I think it's a positive announcement. I think the policy, I think it's far too far in the future. But at the same time, I think Bill English should be congratulated for even bringing it onto the table. You know, yep. even, even, by, even by kicking it into touch, he's at least admitting there's a game on. And now, you know, as I said, you know, we've effectively been partitioned into boomers and non-boomers now by this, by this policy announcement. And, you know, I think I, hopefully that will get a kind of broader debate going mm. about what's affordable, who actually deserves what, do, do boomers need, and, and, and the quasi-boomers who used to be in our generation um, deserve that same kind of lead-in time. And can we look at things like means testing? Means you know, testing what, is, a, is a big one, yeah. Why, why, why in God's name does, does a poor 40-year-old need to be transferring $50,000 worth of tax um, to be redistributed to a millionaire 60-year-old who's going to retire in five years who owns six houses in Auckland? You know, and people say, well, those, those are examples on the margin. Those aren't examples on the margin. You know, there's a huge concentration of wealth in the baby boomer generation mm. right now. Um, Baby boomers. Um, that's and it's mm-hmm. it's going to continue to grow. In any case, twenty billion dollars is what is in the year twenty thirty one. I think is is what it's going to cost. It's I think it's somewhere coming up towards two thirds of the total welfare budget is coming into superannuation. I mean, what do you reckon, Annabelle? Is that right? Means testing that 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 that, that would <clears throat> excuse me that would pick up lots of the people for whom retirement is a necessity, but it does seem a bit weird. For people, and I know plenty of them who are in their late sixties who continue to work and continue to earn mm. decent incomes. Well, I think that's one option, well, but bad. I mean, there's all sorts of things that could be explored, like actually getting corporates to pay a fair amount of tax. I'm sure would probably make it a lot more affordable. But uh, I'm no economist, but I, I mean, obviously, in terms of Maori, I feel that although it's great to you know put this issue on the table and have a talk about it, my understanding is that there hasn't been a whole lot of consultation going on with the Maori Party, and he hasn't really addressed anything to do with how this affects Maori, and it's a big mm. issue. Mm. So, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it fall, it's 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 it was presented as a government announcement. But it's really a national party policy. Yeah, you know, it was presented at the post cabinet press conference after meetings with cabinet, blah blah blah. But it's not really government policy; it's national party policy. Insofar as it won't be implemented until after the election, there and is an opportunity for the people to vote on that, among other things. And it's New Zealand it, first cabinet. <clears throat> yeah, and 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 I mean, it may still. It's, Perfectly possible that it could persist beyond more than one election, even if it gets knocked out of the next one. But if mm. the New Zealand First Party and the Māori Party are both dead against it, then the reality 
the of it being introduced is pretty slippery, right? Well, look, I mean, it does open up the space for a policy entrepreneur. Um, is this Gareth Morgan? <clears throat> well, look, to, I mean, Top have some pretty strong views on this, as as far as I am aware. Mm. But, um, the ACT Party, just as a disclaimer, I've done some work for ACT uh, earlier this year. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, David Seymour has been pretty strong um, yes. this morning, I think. He, um, he sounds like some crazy spin-off blogger, the way he's going around the shop, attacking the boomers. He does. <laughs> Sorry. My my, 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 my record on feelings for the boomers is, is long and unimpeachable. We need to get a boomer in. We need to have like a token boomer in this pod at some point. Um, I'll see if I can find one. I'll nip down to um, Hollywood Bakery later on. <laughs> be a good idea. Uh, the politics of it, though, as well, in terms of Bill English... Uh, cutting the cord, fresh start. He did, had lots of criticisms already about um, whether he was going to have a big new idea, whether he was just the caretaker prime minister, whether it was just got a sort of extension on John Key. This is a very clear signal that he is his own his man. Own man no? Yeah, and he's been, I mean, this is an issue that he's been talking about for a while, but just wasn't really given the the space to do so because it was a a no-no under key but again I do think that it's admirable that he's talking about it before an election before an election you know it's um not one that most politicians want to have a discussion about but you know discussion should be had yeah I mean I think your point about you know it's not government policy well obviously if you've got sort of a 27 year lead in a 20 year lead in period rather um you know what legislation that you passed this year announcing is, the manifesto for the 2038 election yeah i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of room for things to go wrong there so i think it's more valuable actually just to get it on the table and get people talking about it and hopefully millennials whipped up into a righteous fury so that we can um, mm. you know what was that chris trotter piece a few months ago about a kind of fan fiction apocalyptic vision of of millennials oh, with pitchforks and torches, kind of. That was great stuff. I, I know. I thought. It, I thought it was like it was like it was, it was, like a, it was like erotic. A, it was, yeah, you know. Right. I mean, really. Did you hear Chris Trotter this morning talking no, about the? Um, there's a proposal to allow 16 year olds to vote. Yeah. He came out very strongly against it. Did he? He did indeed. No fucking kidding. Uh, Bill, <laughs> yeah. I think Bill English has also denounced that. So um, I don't. I think it's a great idea. It's a. It's. I, I think, think it's, it's a good idea as of it's yesterday. A I think it's a great idea because um, one, if they're old enough to pay taxes, they should get to have a say about how those taxes are divvied out. But secondly, if they're still at high school, and then you know, part of the problem with young people not voting is that they simply don't know how the system works. That's been the findings of research that's been done about why Māori tend not to vote. If they come from families where they don't vote, you never you never really learn how to. It's never demystified for you. So if we can get kids doing it at high school where they can go through a bit of a course that shows them what, you know, you roll up and there's the little old yep. bitty there and yep. you sign the Bit paper. Yeah, why, why wouldn't we encourage that? Why shouldn't they get also, to have a say about how their country also, is Also, um, I mean, people who turned 18 uh, two and a half years ago haven't had a vote yet in the general election. So it's, you know, if, even if you move it to 16, it's only those who are lucky enough to have birthdays shortly before an election and get the vote. It's not as right. though you kind of, it seems to me, pretty obvious. Maybe make it 14. I quite like 14. 
That's right. The big calls, ladies and gentlemen, on I Gone like By like Lunchtime. Joe says shaking his head. He wants to get out of here. He can see the chocolate fish. They're just out of reach. Can you check Joe said chocolate fish, Ben? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, before the announcement, however, it seemed a bit like Bill English was uh, facing, and I'm going to use a uh, original political cliche here, that he was uh, facing the end of his honeymoon. Insofar as he was, as you said, Bill, not Bill, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> Close. <coughs> uh, Close. Ben, uh, Ben, as you said, both, he, both he of us was, have a pie on budget day. He was waiting, seeing. Oh, can you talk more about the pies? <laughs> we had some. We, no, I can't talk about that. That's that's, that's strictly kind of silence. Um, uh, that he was flailing around, wait and see. Really stuffed up the interviews. Uh, gave quite a good interview to the Hui about about state care, relatively speaking. But the one at the Nation and we did a Jose did a. Supercut of all the times he said wait and see and I think it was about 19 or 20 there was lots of we'll be telling you shortly that came on the back of the cock up really with the announcement of the swimmable wadeable rivers targets with Mr Minister Nick Smith as well as uh, pressure over the workers on drugs blah 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 um, has, has Bill English sort of torn back the initiative got the momentum back former parliamentary staffer Ben Thomas, Bill Thomas. <laughs> Bill English is a very thoughtful guy and I think a, there was a lot of discussion about, you know, prior to him becoming Prime Minister or, sorry, after he became Prime Minister because there wasn't much of a lead-in time to that, about, you know, in interviews he really thinks about the question and he answers it. Now, it turns out that sometimes this won't give the most satisfying media spectacle. <laughs> that people actually want mm. you know sometimes mm. he will just he will sort of muse on something and then say well actually we're not ready to talk about it yet which is not great television mm. uh, but I, I don't think indicates any kind of real kind of weakness in him as a prime minister that's that's just bill english and it's too late to change who he is as a politician and a person um i don't think that all of these things were disasters i think that the weightable slash swimble slash feces filled rivers announcement was <laughs> that was that was that was a, a mess up um i mean the fault there was not sacking nick smith when he became prime minister um in terms of the the drugged out workers i mean that's been identified as a huge problem for employers so and bill has always been consistent on this i think a few you know he's, he's always had pretty strong opinions on this sort of thing if, i think it was last year he got into an, uh, another bit of trouble for saying you know some young job seekers are just hopeless yeah, um, in the in the rural areas, and the thing is, I think people actually respect that kind of honesty. You know, getting getting a straight answer from him. So, I I don't think there's been a kind of a rolling series of disasters at all. I think he's um, he's doing a pretty good job, but albeit in a very very different style from his predecessor. How, do, how about you? I mean, the weekend he looked like a, he didn't he didn't handle that series of interviews well. Did you see much of that, Annabelle? I mean, obviously you saw uh, one on the To hui. be fair, I didn't see much of it. I did see his interview on the hui, obviously. Um, I think, you know, he's an incredibly skilled politician, so while he kept asking him if um, the government would be willing to have an inquiry into, you know, the historical abuse of children in state care, he never said no. Mm. He never gave a flat no. Mm. He... he um, kept responding with, um, um, well, we can have a debate about that or versions of that. So, you know, he's he's been in Parliament a long time. He's, you know, very skilled. Um, he comes across as very 
forthright and upfront, but is actually really good at not necessarily giving a hard and fast answer to a hard and fast question. I think the um, the drugs one was unfortunate because it's great to have strong opinions and you know for an issue to have been identified as a problem, but if it's not actually based in fact, then anecdata you, for um, evidence-based yeah. policy. Dude. Then you can be creating an issue where, in fact, there may not necessarily be one. Um, can we just briefly sidebar on that uh, state care abuse? I thought, watching the Huey interview, that he actually kind of propped the door open a little more. I mean, I don't, I don't think John Key before him had ever, you know, ruled out uh, completely having an inquiry, which is what they're growing kind of call for most recently with Susan DeVoy, the race relations commissioner. I thought he propped it open a little more. He said we could have a debate. And he said, well, there's an argument. For I mean, just the language. I don't know. I, 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 I wonder if he's inching in that direction. Mm. What do you reckon? Um, I don't think there's a strong desire to have an inquiry. In my opinion, that, that wasn't how I interpreted it. I, I guess... Um, you don't want to completely close the door on it because it could turn into a big issue and certainly it was getting a bit of momentum last week. Mm. Um, but I, I think that his focus for now is on that the new Oranga Tamariki legislation, mm. the, the um, overhaul of child protection laws um, and that he would prefer that his energies and efforts are focused on that rather than looking back. But I think that Mahi raised an interesting question, which is how can you develop good legislation if you don't really understand how the old legislation has failed? You can't really, um, you know, it's hard to move positively towards the future if you haven't really dealt with the past so one it's of an the, interesting issue one of the reasons that Antolia has given in the past for not needing a public inquiry is because it wasn't a systemic problem that it was a bunch of individual problems um, of course the only way you would find out if it's a systemic problem would be by having an inquiry 100,000 <laughs> so children 100,000 yeah, exactly. 100, children it's a huge amount of people so I mean even if only, you know, ten percent of them well, were Antoli abused, says, which we and Tolly says it's three point five percent, but that's based on those who have come forward, and obviously, mm. and some of the, you know, what's rather it, not. What, what a lot of people don't realise about these kids too is that, um, while some of them have been, you know, caught out for shoplifting and, you know, petty crimes, some of them had actually done absolutely nothing. So, hmm. I know that there's been um, he's been in contact with people one of whom's a parent died mm. and he had four siblings and the state decided to, even though the family were coping perfectly well and the older siblings were helping out and they were toddling along fine, the, um, the state came in and removed a couple of them and sent them off to you know various different um, institutions where they were physically, mentally, sexually abused. Mm. So uh, it's, um, it's a really dark chapter of our of our country's history and certainly one that we should know a lot more about because, uh, you know, the impacts of it is far-reaching and intergenerational. And last election we polled all of the Māori electorates and the number one issue in each and every electorate, electorate was family violence. Mm. Well, how can mm. we help our communities to deal with it if we're not prepared to look back and, 
and see what's happened and start to address it. Ben, inquiry? Yes, no. There's already been a lot of government action on these historical abuse claims um, <clears throat> through the Confidential Listening Service. Um, MSD runs its own program. Um, part of me is suspicious to what extent these calls and the publicity about these this abuse um, is a litigation strategy. Um, from well, how much the opposition to it is a litigation strategy for that matter. Yeah, a lot of money's been, been spent trying to avoid... Surely the, the government are the getting the legal going, advice saying you can't open up this article, wound again. Yeah, there was an article on RNZ about it the other day, actually, that exact issue. Okay, so we're agreed. There should be an inquiry. Uh, <laughs> Mount Albert, uh, Jacinda Ardern won 70-something, 70 77% of the vote in by-election. An outstanding win. That many people didn't notice. Possibly the biggest. She's our MP, eh, Toby? Yeah. Uh, point Chair represents. Is she your MP, Ben Thomas? She's my, my MP. Oh, gosh, this is <laughs> uh, we're, all, we're all in the Mount Albert electorate representing a diversity of generations and geographic locations. Mm. Jose, you're not in Mount Albert, are you? No. Nah. He's in Mount Roskill or New Lynn? Evandale. Yeah, but oh, that's not an nice. electorate, mate. He's like, he's like, he's like three train steps a lot. Okay. Stages Jose's along. just invented yeah, like, an electorate that he lives in. Um, Real politics. <laughs> Real talk from Jose Barbados. Now, uh, Jacinda, uh, who managed to do away with her surname completely in the course of this by-election, much like uh, Adele mm. or Rihanna, uh, mm. she's just Jacinda Beyonce. now. Beyonce. Uh, Beyonce. Mm -hmm. um, she had this really. I mean, I mean, all right. Turnout was low. There was no national candidate. There was no New Zealand first candidate. No act candidate. But she did tremendously well. And then in a uh, rather brutal uh, act of uh, the gods, it turned into a minor crisis for the Labour Party uh, that they just can't win. Um, and then that all played out with whether or not Jacinda should be elevated to the deputy. Annette King said, no fucking way. Don't be ageist, you bastards. And then miraculously, two days later, she decided that she would retire had a sudden change of heart uh, uh, oh this is what you were this is what you were pontificating about on um, one of our rival uh, broadcast networks you've, you've got to understand that it, it came from a place of deep hurt and betrayal right um, because I think a couple of days earlier I had been on yet another rival station <laughs> um, talking about how there was no way Jacinda wanted the deputy leadership you know I had, I had looked into her eyes and I believed mm. that Jacinda had no ambitions um, you know, she was just happy to be the MP for Mount Elbert for, Even though, for a day. <laughs> Even though she'd stood on a ticket with Grant Robertson. Yeah, absolutely, because I, my understanding was that. always that she'd kind of hitched her wagon to Grant's leadership chances okay. and she saw herself as Grant's deputy. Yep. I mean, but the thing is, you know, I was overlooking a pretty ironclad rule of politics, um, which is that once something's been suggested to a politician about their future, they're not going to dismiss it anytime soon. So even somebody who has no sort of ambitions either way, if they read in the newspaper that they would make a perfect deputy, suddenly yeah, suddenly like, it becomes mm. something they've been thinking about a lot, <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, and so she, she and her supporters and Andrew Little um, s seemingly mobilised pretty quickly um, crushed the long-standing MP for Rongatai and sort of forced her out the door after a stellar and long parliamentary career. Forced her out the door. I mean, Andrew Little said, uh, Nick King said, uh, that there was no way that she was going to be 
pushed out of anything. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I kind of. Is it not plausible that Annette King just did think about it, talk to some mates, and go, you know what? I don't need this to be a festering problem for the Labour Party. I've decided to just go list next time anyway. Maybe it's time. I mean, and no, look, Annette King. <laughs> Annette King is one of the the toughest and canniest politicians in New Zealand. She's not some doddery senior who kind of wakes up between Sunday and Tuesday not really sure of whether she wants to be the deputy leader. Um, I mean, look, Annette King has given more than she ever had to to the Labour Party. Um, I think one of Wellington's worst-kept secrets is that she wanted to retire in 2008 and leave Parliament. She's given up a couple of chances to be Wellington's mayor Mm. over the last two and a half terms. So I, I don't think there's any great harm um, and and I don't think you know once it became apparent that that was what was going to happen. I don't th- I don't think she would have fought too hard. This is a kind of merciful release, I think, for Annette. Um, but but this this idea that you know she may have just called up Andrew and sort of sort of said I've, I've had a change of heart. I've I've actually thought about it. I've I've considered some of the press gallery's columns, and I think they have a point that maybe I am past it. <laughs> and Annabelle, this doesn't happen. Uh, Annette King made the decision herself. Andrew Little showed his uh, ruthless streak. Or, uh, as Ben Thomas uh, would have us believe, it was somehow this incredible Brutus-like move on the part of uh, Jacinda herself. I don't know, but look, I think it's one of the things that National have always been much better at than Labour. You know, like moving on their old MPs, bringing through new ones, they're good at identifying new talent and bringing them through the ranks, and Labour... The turnover is incredibly slow. Like just the end of last year, there were so many nets that um, that retired and you know have made way for the new to come through. And I think it's an area that Labor really struggles with. So whether she was pushed or decided to, or I tend to think that she, like Ben said, that she was given a gentle nudging. Um, I think that it's good that we're seeing a freshening up of of Labor's ranks going into this election. And I think someone, you know, young and fresh like Jacinda will be um, will be a nice counterpart to English and Bennett. Will it provide a problem when Jacinda overtakes uh, her leader in the preferred Prime Minister polling? Yeah, of course it will. I mean, the, the reasons that were advanced for making Jacinda the deputy leader are just as applicable... F- reasons for making her leader um you know she is she is an extremely engaging media figure she's extremely likable she's got a very good presence um she's got real cut through with the public which is the 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 one thing that labor leaders since helen clark have really struggled with so she's got shiny silky hair we don't need that kind of sexism here Annabelle, you wouldn't say that. About, she does. You wouldn't say that about Simon. I say that about I hear Toby you have heard said it time. about Toby. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. She does. She does objectify me from time to time. Um, Andrew Little mm. ha- had recently attracted some flack for saying of the Maori Party in response to a question from Susie Ferguson, Ben Thomas's friend on Morning Report, that. Uh, that the, that the Māori Party, uh, what was the, were not Kaupapa Māori? Is that, was it as simple as yeah, that? Yeah, uh-huh. it was. I just think... Um, How did that all play out? I just think there's, 
there's certain insults that politicians <laughs> um, that that only certain politicians can make of each other, and I think it's a perhaps a lesson that both Andrew Little and Gareth Morgan need mm. to learn. At Ratana, um, Gareth Morgan called Winston an Uncle Tom, and of course you have um, Andrew questioning the Māori Party's kaupapa Māori chops, and th- those are just simply not the sorts of comments that a Pākehā politician can make about Māori politicians. So I think, you know, hopefully it's a, a lesson learned for for um, for both of them and, and really for a Pākehā to question the, the Māori qualities of a, of a Māori political movement is, um, is probably not a wise move because you distract away from what the argument is and it becomes a shit fight over whether or not he's, a, he's allowed to say that. So best to steer clear of those sorts of things, in my opinion. But it was tactical, wasn't it? But it, it was a sort of slightly elevated urban liberal way of making the distinction between good Māori and bad Māori. So the same sort of thing that Don Brash and Hobson's Pledge do, but instead saying, look, good working class Māori who would vote for Willie Jackson versus these iwi elites or of equally the what, party. what Bill English said over Waitangi, you know, like there's the good Māori over here in Ōrāke and the naughty ones up north. So, yeah, it's, I, I guess it's part of the same thing, but I just don't think it's wise for Pākehā politicians to kind of approach a debate from that angle because it's never going to go down well. It kind of underscores, though, doesn't it, how the battle for those Māori seats is is going to be quite heated with the mana Māori deal and um, Labour desperate to hang on to what they've got. Yeah, and I think too, like, um, there's going to be a sense of, um, uh, I don't want to sound too heavy, but perhaps a sense of betrayal on behalf of the Māori Party because, you know, Willie Jackson has been um, in their corner for a long, long time. So for him to to go across to Labour and now be firing shots at them, you know, when he was being lined up to stand in Tamaki, mm, mm. or as so rumour has it, you know, um, they're going to be... Uh, hurting over that and I guess that's understandable too. The Green Party meanwhile in Mount Albert with Julianne Genta and her bicycle slash hoarding uh, were disappointing I suppose even though Julianne Genta spent a lot of the uh, campaign trail what there was of it saying that she thought Jacinda would make an excellent MP for Mount Albert um, their problem uh in a way, is they, they've had their conference, haven't they? Their, their, or their, their general meeting where they sort of kick off their list selection. And they've got a problem, haven't they? In that they've got a whole lot of young and interesting and smart women. And they've got a, some list rules that are kind of like kind of quite fundamentalist diversity, which is going to really help the older men in the Green Party. For, for the party of youth, they have a remarkably old caucus. I mean, their, their youngest MP, or, or their most youth-identified MP, is Gareth Hughes, who I think is a, a mid-30s father of two mm. in the suburbs. Um, I think Julianne Genter is a little younger. Um, she, I, I think the Greens, I don't think they were disappointing in Mount Albert. Um, mm. I, I think it's pointless to sort of say how an if there's nothing you can draw from a, a first-past-the-post by-election in terms of what the performance of, an, of a minor party in an MMP election will be like. What it did show is that Labour and the Greens were working together under the MOU, which I think is positive for both Labour mm. and the Greens. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's right. They, they have these 
really quite, you know, candidates who, if nothing else, will get a lot of media attention and will be really positive in getting their message across to, to younger voters like us, millennials. Mm. Um, you know, Hayley Green Hall, Chloe Swarbrick. Um, I did my makeup in somebody else's car. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, but but they do have this aging caucus now. I'm, I'm, you know, this this sort of consensus decision making. Who are the who, who are the oldies in their caucus? Uh, Kennedy Graham, uh, Denise Roche, David Clendon. These these would all be sort of over fifties. Um, Catherine Delahunty. Stephen is Browning leaving. is going, isn't Stephen he? Uh, is Catherine Delahunty is leaving. There's probably another one who is 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 we did, can't even don't even remember the name of. That's how much. Um, well, there's 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 the person who replaced Kevin Haig, whose name I can't remember. What about uh, Jojo? Jojo. Jojo. Mathers. No. The, oh, Mojo. 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 Jojo. Jojo. Um, and also, there's um, all roads lead to Winston, and I can't help feeling. It's almost, I mean, the stars have aligned mm. in 2017. Yeah. Incredibly. Have, we've, got, we've got what's happening in the world. There's that. Yeah. Things in the world. Patterns in the world. And we don't want to overstate that. Yeah. We've got record levels of immigration in New Zealand. We do. We've got fresh scandals about foreigners buying New Zealand property. We do. And we've got national super, you know, and the gold card shifting up a few years, albeit in the far distant future when we'll probably all be dead. Uh, life direct insurance, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Winston, is, is it, can he, is he going to, is he, I don't know. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, is he going to make hay? Is it oh, going to be, are we yeah. talking, are we gonna talking be so 15% much. for New Zealand first? There's going to be 17%. so much hay. Yeah? There's going to be a lot of hay. Well, my, all winter, <laughs> hay for the horses. Just hay. How much hay? The f- like that the first song, Bill, Bill Thomas? Hay. hay. The first election I ever voted in was 96 like most millennials. <laughs> and and that was where, I think during the campaign, Peter's got up to 24% in the polls. <clears> and, and that was based on sort of ostentatious houses in Howick, uh-huh. which was the first sort of Chinese bashing kind of wave. Um, and 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 same similar sorts of sort of situation. You know, the government had been in for quite a while. It was only a second term national government at that stage, but it seemed like it had been a, a while. Uh, Labour was looking quite weak. Um, Helen Clark hadn't really established herself um, and he really, yeah, he really made hay and I, I think, I mean, Bill English is a very different politician from John Key and the prediction is that he probably won't be quite as good a campaigner in mm. terms of the easy sort of media style that Key had. Mm. Andrew Little, you know, for all of his strengths, and I think he is a good politician, he's not a great retail politician and he hasn't really connected with voters. That leaves a lot of room in the middle for somebody who is a strong sort of, you know, in these kind of presidential campaigns that we've started, that we see under MMP, that leaves a lot of room for the spotlight to go on Winston Peters. Yeah. For a grouchy, charismatic cuddle to just come right through the, <laughs> He's the, the, the right mercurial, through the exciting young thing. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Winston Peters. <laughs> on he comes, wearing underpants over his trousers. <laughs> the um, And Shane Jones is very likely to be there too. Unless this has is been he? massively, massively <laughs> overstated, it's you know it's, Shane Jones it's and Fungaday, like New Zealand's worst kept secret, eh? Um, people have been saying it for a long time. I think I'll believe it when I see it. He's got he's got a pretty pretty good gig right now um, in his sort of vaguely decided um, 
defined ambassadorial but there's only he's so got a great gig levels. but you know this is a, a guy who loves the argy bargy and yeah. the cut and thrust and once you've once politics. you've paddled through all the swim up bars in the south pacific <laughs> you sometimes feel like it's time for something more they don't have a great movie selection at the hotels either. okay 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 stop um we're going to talk a lot this year it's going to be lots of fun um very excited like i said at the start annabelle lee Ben Thomas, Jose Mabosa on the producer. I'm Toby Manhire. Life Direct. Like us on iTunes. There are other podcasts too. They're all very good. We will talk soon. Farewell. Kia ora e te iwi. Te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.